We live in a world of dynamic cyber threats, but one thing is clear. Human behavior is the most vulnerable target for attacks. Welcome to Behave by CyberSafe, the foremost cybersecurity podcast focused on human cyber risk. Organizational awareness is no longer enough. So how will your team stay protected? Be sure to subscribe to Behave on your preferred listening app for cutting-edge insights into our evolving industry and stay ahead of the shift to security behaviors and human risk quantification. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Behave podcast. I'm Oz Alashe. I'm CEO and founder of CybeSafe, but I'm uh, delighted to be joined today by Lance Spitznern. Lance is a titan in the human risk space, the human cyber risk space. He's been not just a, a long-serving and long-running and long-influencing member of the community, but Lance, you've also been a pioneer in a number of different things and different areas. And I'm really looking forward to you explaining to everybody a bit about your perspective, but also your background as well. So I'm not going to try and do justice to your background. I'd like Lance, if you don't mind, to do it. Lance, thank you for joining us. Thank you for those uh, kind words there. It really buttered me up. So what ends up happening, folks? Uh, hey, my name's Lance Spitzner. I'm a director at SAN Security Awareness. Just real briefly, I've been in cybersecurity for about 25 years. Now, the first half was really on the technical side. Firewalls, pen testing, cyber threat intelligence, network architecture. Back then, you kind of really did it all. But about 10 plus years ago, I flipped to the human side because that's when I felt and really do even today. I passionately feel the human side is where we can make the biggest difference. And I really feel that's truer today now than it's ever been. I love it. And I love it. And I love hearing you say that and explain that every time. One, you have an understanding of the bigger, broader security challenge, not just from a people component, not just the technical component, but also the process component. You know, the, the reality is it is so often so easy for us to forget that this is more than just the bits that we're focused on. But those who will know about the Behave podcast will be aware that what we're trying to do is have a series of conversations. And those conversations are with leaders and thinkers in the space. They are with practitioners. We are with technologists. They're with scientists. They're with all of the different types of people. Unfortunately, we won't be able to speak to them all, but all of the different types of people that really go into um, looking at this kind of risk as it really manifests itself for most organizations. But Lance, this idea of risk is something that we're definitely seeing increasingly focused upon. And I know that you have been championing that, that, that change in perception and that change in perspective. Tell us a bit more about why you think that's so important. I mean, first of all, I mean, we all see the numbers, you see the reports, organizations see the incidents. It's all quite often the vast majority of breaches, incidents, and issues you see are human related. But back to the original question, but why is that the case? And I would suggest two things. One, we in cybersecurity have gotten really good at using technology to secure technology. It's actually really, really hard to hack into the default installation of a Windows computer today. It's much, much easier to fool the human. So I would argue that we have gotten so good at securing technology that we are driving cyber attackers to target the human. At the same time, we have made both technology and security very, very confusing. It's very difficult. And that's why it's so easy for people to be overwhelmed, confused, and make mistakes. That is why I do not like saying the human is the weakest link. 
To me, that implies they're to blame. I much prefer the approach, the human is the primary attack vector because we've done so much to secure technology, but we've done very little to actually secure people. So Lance, it strikes me that for quite some time, whether we are in security or actually out of security, there's not really many people who would argue against the importance of the human aspect. Not many people. They might not necessarily kind of understand what that really means. And you've just done a really good job of explaining to us one of the reasons why the human aspect is so important. But there aren't many people who would argue against that, especially when, as we all know, it's not an either or. We're not saying focus only on people and ignore technology and ignore process. We're just saying that you can't ignore the people. But there are not many people who would argue against that. But yet there is definitely a change that's taking place within the community as we think about the human aspect. How would you characterize the change? What is changing, if anything, in your perspective, in terms of how we think about the human aspect, the human risk aspect, and maybe what that means, you know, based on based on you know, what you've seen over the last few years? Back to your original point, and then I'll answer the question. Your original point, you know, most people won't argue that the human is an issue, but look at the investments. So you go to any uh, security professional and they'll tell you about the three pillars of cybersecurity technology, process, and people. And you go to any security team in any organization, say they have 100 people on their security team, yet 99 will be focused on technology. We have you know, vulnerability management, security operations center, incident response team, architecture and engineering. You have all these brilliant people, but yet out of those 100, maybe only one will be focused on security awareness. Maybe only half one will be focused on policy and process and things like that. So I find it interesting. A lot of people will, yes, say the human is a problem, but quite often they attempt to solve the problem by just throwing more technology at it. So I'm always frustrated when I run with these security teams that are 99% technology focused, and yet they bemoan the human element. But to your point, we are starting to see a fundamental shift. And I would say just within the past 18 months where, okay, maybe we should start hiring people and creating initiatives to also address the human side. Things like security awareness, security culture, security influence. But I would, and you and I have been talking about this and even we're taking it a little bit more strategic Security awareness, culture, influence, engagement, these are all things what we do. The reason why we do it is really managing human risk. So I'm starting to see, especially in the past six months, leadership starting to understand, yeah, we need a special, we need additional initiatives to manage that human risk. So that's kind of like security awareness, but more strategic. Mm, mm. So I think this is this is the bit that I, I I think is most fascinating right now. You said something, and I and I I want to come back to it. Interestingly, you did it by coming back to something I said, but I want to come back to it to ask you a why. You said um, if you took a organizations and they had a hundred people in their security team, one person would be focused on 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 the people aspect. In essence, indicating that despite what people say, despite what security leaders say their investment doesn't necessarily match up with what they're saying. Why is that, Lance? If you were to kind of put your finger on, they're saying one thing and doing another. No, no, no. So I would say we're all saying the same thing. The human is the problem. It's just 
how we're attempting to solve it is different. And the problem you have is that organizations are just continuing to throw technology at the problem. And the cyber attackers will always sidestep it and target people. So example, phishing. We have been struggling with phishing for years, but we're finally getting good at it. We have technologies in place to identify and stop email-based phishing attacks, taking down phishing infrastructure, training people not to click. It's taken 10 years, but we've developed a lot of these controls and primarily technical controls to reduce the probability of a phishing incident. So what did the cyber attackers do? Changed on a dime. They went from phishing email to smishing text-based. I know we've all seen a dramatic jump in the past six months in text message-based attacks. Why? Because it's really e easy for cyber attackers to bypass all those controls and go straight to our personal phones. Same thing with voice messages, voice um, phone calls, things like that. So every time we come up with a technical solution, cyber attackers will go around it and target the human. Same thing with MFA. We've rolled out MFA to be a stronger form of authentication, which I'm a big believer in, but they're finding the weak points. And what's the weak points? The human side, like push-based MFA, like we recently saw with Uber. So until we start taking the human in mind also, the bad guys are going to be doing what they've always done. Just go around the technology, target the human. Mm. So I guess what I'm hearing, and indeed, of course, you know, I share your view on this, is a security team that isn't considering people as a more complex part of the system than something that can just be told what to do. A security team that's missing that is probably missing quite a significant opportunity to reduce their risk. And I guess the, one of the reasons, and I asked you this why question, why are people not investing? I think of the organizations that I've either been in myself or that I've advised or that we work with now here at CyberSafe. Would you agree? Is there anything that you would say that I'm kind of missing? So you really nailed a big point. One of the problems of security awareness that we have is we're really bad at communicating the value of security awareness, which is quite a paradox because our job is communicating. So what ends up happening is we've done a really bad job of communicating to leadership how the human side supports those four key and strategic initiatives you mentioned. And I think strategy or strategic is the key word. Quick example, this is why security awareness has a bad name it, and or doesn't have the credibility or investment that we're talking about. The CEO walks into the elevator with me and I'm the security awareness officer. And the CEO asks, who am I and what do I do? And I say, hey, my name's Lance Spitzner and I'm the security awareness officer. I'm the person that's sending out all those memes, podcasts, fun security awareness videos. In fact, I'm the one that got us the guest speaker that everybody loved last month. And the CEO walks out of that elevator and goes, hmm, Lance Spitzner. Sounds like he's in the entertainment business. Why am I giving him all this money? Now, let's do it just like you said. Let's be more strategic. I walk in the elevator, there's the CEO, and she asks me, Lance, what do you do? And I say, hey, I'm the security awareness officer. My job is managing our human risk. We've identified that the top three drivers of incidents in our own organization are the behaviors of our workforce. So we've created a, a program to identify and manage 
those three top risks by changing our workforce's behavior. That way, we're far more secure. We're far more productive. Now, you have the leader's support and credibility. And that's why I think we lack that investment because we've always talked about engagement which sounds like we're in the entertainment business. I cannot agree with you more. I often talk about this idea of trick, train, and entertain. It's literally virtually everything that people can do can be boiled down to those three things, trick, train, and entertain. The phishing simulations are trying to trick people in order to get people to click so we can demonstrate that we basically got them and indeed that they reported. But it's a simulation and not necessarily a real email, so correlation is questionable. But it's useful, but it's a trick. Train. Train people. If people could just be trained better, they could know more. And if they could know more, they would behave differently. But the reality is there is no evidence to suggest that people who know more actually behave differently. There is literally a lack of evidence to, to demonstrate that. Although we do know that knowledge has a component, has a part to play in behavior. And then, of course, entertain. And you've just articulated that so well. Actually, I can think of so many things I find funny, so many things I've engaged with have had no bearing on my behavior whatsoever. And yet, actually, that's not to say that engagement and entertainment is not important. It's just to say that engagement and entertainment is not the objective. As you say, the objective is to reduce risk. And that nails it. You know, a lot of security awareness professionals can speak all day about how they're engaging in training. But if you ask them, okay, what are your top five risks? When's the last time you talked to the security threat intelligence team, the security operations center, the you know incident response team? What are the top drivers of risk? What are the be? So the, my concern is we have a lot of really good security awareness professionals that are really good on enga engagement and behavior change, but they have no idea what behaviors they want to change or why because they're missing the risk side. And that is why a lot of times leadership's not supporting them. Mm. Now, I guess the reason this is interesting is because there's definitely an increasing awareness of this point, a bit of a groundswell of kind of recognition that it's got to be about more than just, as I would describe it, trick, train and entertain, as you would describe it as well, kind of the activity rather than the strategic driver and objective. Can I open a bit of a, a horrible box I'm sorry to do this to you on a recorded screen, but I'm going to do it anyway. The, the box is, there are some people who are really distracted with this term awareness. They're really distracted by it. They kind of suggest it's not what we're after doing it. We're kind of doing ourselves a disservice by even referring to the term. It's such a component. What do you think? I mean, how, how important is it that, that language changes in this space? What do you think? I'm not a big fan of the term awareness or security awareness. It has a lot of ugly baggage, a lot of history to it very much associated with compliance. A lot of ways for better or worse, it's kind of the term we're stuck with. Now, a lot of people would agree it's not the right term. So they just say, well, it shouldn't be security awareness. It's security influence, security culture, security behavior. And to me, all of these are better or good terms. But I like to take a step back and I just like to say, well, this is all describing what we do. I always like to take a step back and call it managing human risk. Why do you want a strong security culture? Because people are far more likely to behave securely. We're far more likely to manage human risk. Why do we want to influence? Why do we want to change behavior? Why do we want to engage? All ultimately to better manage human risk. So I'm trying not to get involved in the, is it awareness, influence, culture discussion? I prefer to take a step above 
call it what you like, but ultimately the reason why is managing human risk because that's what leadership cares about. I love that. I love that. And then, and you know, I, I, I said, I was sorry to ask you the question, but I knew, I knew that you would explain this in a way that I think just contextualizes it. I think it's really important as a community that we don't get distracted from what we're ultimately here to do. So whether people think that the term is awareness or something else, whether people think that it's more important to focus on and call out some of the what's, the reality is unless we are really committed to the why, the reality is our what's will only be half effective anyway. And as you say, reducing that risk for the organization is a really important and clear why. So NIST, the National Institute of Science and Technology Standards, obviously over there in the US, so standards and technology. So, so the NIST Institute, they have recently published a report that basically identifies that many, many organizations, and of course, they largely focus on the government organizations, but so many other broader organizations adopt their standards that this does definitely apply. Many organizations are really focused on the activity, the what, um, and are not measuring the impact of the activity and therefore whether they are actually achieving the why. What are your thoughts on that? Because I know that the SANS community has long helped develop thinking about things like metrics and data, um, all aimed at measuring something, presumably. What do you think about not just their report, but also this kind of finding? Is it is it is it news? Is it even... Is it even interesting? It is both spot on and not news. Janan Budge from Forrester released something very similar. They looked at 40 different standards and regulations that require security awareness, like the NIST SP 800-50 document. And what's very frustrating is when you look at all these different standards, regulations, and frameworks that talk about security awareness, I think if you combine all 40 standards, maybe they mention... Out of all 40, the word behavior three times, the word risk twice. It's all about compliance. So is NIST frustrated about organizations measuring only what they're doing? Yes. Is this bad? Yes. But look at every NIST document that goes into security awareness. They never mention the word risk, behavior, or culture. It's all about basically compliance. So they've kind of in some ways created this problem because all the standards are focusing on the compliance side. In fact, I've been working with NIST to create a cyber role for security awareness because there is none. They they have a framework on cybersecurity workforce, but there's no role for security awareness. And they want to combine privacy and security awareness, which is the worst thing possible. Privacy is a legal goal. Awareness is a risk goal. Both are important. Both are very different missions. Every privacy officer I've ever met was a lawyer. So by combining privacy and uh, security awareness, we're just taking it down even more of the path of compliance first. That's why if you say, hey, what we're trying to do is manage human risk, then you ask, well, what do we measure? Easy. What are the key human risks we're carried about? What are the top human risks we are concerned about? Then what are the behaviors that manage those risks? Now your metrics are simple. Just measure those key behaviors. And once again, that's why I always like using the term managing human risk instead. It makes everything so much simpler. What do I measure? Risk. 
What do I want to change? Risk. What are my goals? Human risk. See, this for me is where the real um, impetus and opportunity for our community comes from. Because as you say, with a laser focus on risk, you get to ask yourself very simple questions now, which is, if those are the risk outcomes I want to avoid, what are the things that need to happen to avoid that? And as you say, no matter which way you look at it, how you squint, it ultimately comes to, I've got to affect these behaviors. There's obviously lots of debate about which behaviors, and there's lots of things out there to help organizations understand which behaviors, but it will bring them to behaviors. And then, of course, now we get to ask ourselves really straightforward, honest questions. Is what we're doing, the activity, affecting this behavior? Because if it's not, potentially, it's all in vain. So many security awareness programs out there are probably teaching the wrong behaviors because they never even studied which behaviors to teach. So they could be doing far more harm than good. Yeah. Um, I would go one stage further, and I know that I won't be thanked by many people in the community for saying this, but even if they're teaching the right behaviors, you can't change behavior by teaching. I know I shouldn't eat as many biscuits as I'm going to eat today. You could put me on a course. You could test me about it. I'd get the answer right. It won't influence whether I eat that biscuit or not. There are people passing their security awareness training courses. They have been taught. They remembered the answer. They got the answer right when they were tested. And they still haven't actually changed the default password on their Wi-Fi router. <laughs> they still haven't adopted a secure password. They're still not using a password manager when they've got so many things to remember and it's not possible to remember them all as a human being, etc. That's not because they're bad people. It's just because it's not realistic to expect knowledge in itself to change behavior. And this, I think, is a really key point. And that's why I love the idea of adopting a, or looking at behavior models. Like I'm a fan of the BJ Fogg behavior model. The concept of behavior change is not new. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's a huge amount of fantastic research, like you've already mentioned, that we can leverage. So where's the industry heading then, in your mind? What's, what's, what's the kind of direction of travel, Lance? What are you seeing as the change? If you were to kind of summarize that change over the last X number of years, what would you say is kind of the thing that we need to be aware of and indeed maybe even get on board with? So I would say, so I've been on the human side for about 10, 15 years now, and this is easily the most exciting year I've seen so far, because for the past 10 years, it's been about, well, how do we engage more? How do we become more, you know, entertaining and things like that, which was, it's important. You have to engage to change behavior. But the fundamental shift is I feel like we're growing up. You know, we're not this odd little thing that kind of's done on the side from leadership on down. I'm starting to see this idea all right, we need to get serious about managing human risk. The security awareness officer is no, more, no longer just an analyst that we managed to find somewhere in the company. It's now, hey, security awareness, this is a director's role. It's reporting to the CISO. Uh, we're looking at serious training for awareness professionals on real human risk management. So I feel like that we are in the early stages of growing up. It's almost like we're in high school now and we're starting to hit that junior, senior year, getting the rate, you know, we've been in elementary school for the past 10 years and we're now in high school. Now I'm waiting for when we go to university and beyond. But it, it, it's, I feel like we're just now making that fundamental shift where we're no longer just entertainment and compliance. We're now shifting to the really the risk side. Yeah. Sans has been doing some incredible work. Uh, you just mentioned there training and investing and developing 
human risk managers, people who think about, do nothing other than think about all day, every day. Their job is to help organizations manage risk. And SANS is one of the great places that people can go. And I know that you, SANS, as a group, and you are very particular, very modest about it, and I know that you don't plug the stuff. But please, just tell us a little bit more about what a human risk manager coming onto a SANS course looking at one of your many courses is ultimately going to cover? Because I think just understanding that range of different things that are covered really helps people understand the kind of different things that are in this program. Yeah, that, that, it's a really good question. So we have a two-day course on managing human risk. In fact, it used to be called the Security Awareness Course, but two years ago, we changed the name. It's the Managing Human Risk Course by building mature security awareness programs. You can actually earn the SAN security awareness professional credential in this two-day class. But like you said, what's the overall format of the class? Format of the class is we use the maturity model. We show how you can be compliant, how you can change behavior, impact culture, and ultimately measure all of that change. We have a big metric section. But really, the core comes down to if you're going to manage human risk at a very strategic level, and we have lots of labs on this, is you first need to identify your top human risks, then the behaviors that manage those risks, then engage and motivate your workforce and enable your workforce to change those behaviors. And it's a lot packed into two days, but... We want to ensure that when you come out of that class, you can speak the language of human risk and how you're managing that human risk. So you can talk to not only your security team, but your business leaders above you. Mm. Do you think that this is, uh, you know, we talked about compliance and indeed, in some cases, it's quite easy to think of compliance as not necessarily a good or a positive thing in our space. But the reality is that most organizations who are trying to piece together compliance, they're doing it for the right reasons. They're not necessarily doing the right thing, but they're doing it for the right reasons. So how soon do you think we're going to start to see some change in the compliance landscape? You know, NIST, for example, have just written a report where they even called out their own guidance and said, our own guidance isn't necessarily as good as it should be, and we're going to update it. What do you think um, we're likely to see in this space? Not much change. And how I approach it is this. Compliance, it's important. Your organization has to be compliant to fulfill its mission. But if compliance is the only or primary driver of your security awareness program, that's where you're going to get checked the box. So my perspective is, I really don't worry about compliance. I focus on, let's focus on managing human risk. That's in the higher levels of the maturity model. Because if you are managing human risk and you can go to any auditor and prove how you're managing human risk, your roadmap, your processes, your metrics, you've gone far beyond whatever you need for compliance purposes. So to me, focus on managing human risk and you're going to meet almost all the requirements you need for compliance because compliance is only this managing who is much, much more. So go for the big picture and you'll meet the little stuff. I can totally see how that would be really useful. And indeed, as you say, those organizations and those professionals who might be listening and watching this, who will be saying, that's a great point. So actually I'm achieving, I'm killing two birds with one stone, uh, but actually I'm doing one lot of work, one lot of effort. I definitely personally have a um, deep rooted 
uh, desire to see the compliance landscape shift in this space. I believe that if we can just help those people who lead and draft compliance to understand that they mean the right thing, so let's actually get people to do the right thing, we can make quite a significant shift here. But I recognize I'm also a bit of an idealist at the front, and that might take some time. That might take some time. Lance, you know, this community, this podcast series, and actually many of the people who might be thinking about this for the first time haven't heard us talk. Some of them will be saying to themselves, I didn't quite realize that there was so much involved with human risk, and I hadn't considered that it was about more than just trick, train, entertain. Where do they go to get more information? Where do they go to find out more? And where would you advise those people who may be thinking about stepping into this space to start? The reason I love working at Sands is we're really big on community. So if you're like, hey, I want to get started on the human side, but I don't know where to go. There's a couple of things. And do we have some way to share links with this podcast? Yeah, totally share links with the podcast. Yep, yep. So a couple of things, if you're interested, uh, like you said, Sands Big on Community, we host an annual conference, an annual summit, free to the community, and we just completed this August. We just posted to YouTube all the recordings from all these security awareness professionals on how they're managing human risk, including your talk, Oz, which is one of the highest rated ones. So folks, you can get those recordings. Another way is we manage a community forum just for security awareness professionals. If you really want to learn more, you'd want to reach out to me. We'll include my email address in that podcast, but it's also just lspitzner at sands.org. And then finally, really want to get involved? We consider that Management 433 course. That's the Human Risk course, MGT 433. Two days of intense workshops on how to manage human risk. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Lance, I absolutely love talking to you. I get to do it more than most, I suspect, that of our listeners. But the reality is I know how busy you are. So we massively appreciate you taking the time to just share your, your insights, your nuggets, and your experience with us. Um, I would say, and I think you would say too, this space is evolving quite rapidly at the moment. And as you say, we're kind of entering, as you describe it, high school, secondary school where I'm from, Lance, high school where you are from. And the reality is that's an exciting stage because we're learning a lot more, not just about the space, but ourselves as a community. And that's what we wanna do here. We wanna encourage those kind of conversations, that kind of support. And thank you so much for just opening the community up to all of these insights. Oh, and thank you, Oz. Always a, always an honor to talk to the UK's finest. <laughs> when you find out who that is, let me know. I'd like to speak to them too. <laughs> Thanks a lot, dude. Take care.